if you're taking out all the fruits and starchy vegetables and things, you're taking out the healthiest foods and you're replacing them with the worst foods. And that could spell a heart attack, that could spell cancer. So the low carb people said, no, 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 don't worry, you're gonna lose so much weight, it'll improve your health overall. It couldn't possibly lead to a heart attack. Well, this study, Chuck, it looked at more than 300 people following these diets, compared them with about 1200 people who were not and looked at differences over time and your risk of having a heart attack, your risk of having a stroke, your risk of having peripheral artery disease, you put all that together, the risk was doubled. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Garden City, New York, Indio, California, and Rosario, Argentina. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 26 of season 6, number 422 overall. Our study found that regular consumption of a diet low in carbohydrates and high in fat was associated with increased levels of LDL or bad cholesterol and a higher risk of heart disease. That is what the lead researcher of a study tracking the diets of 1,500 people for more than a decade told CNN. And no, we're not talking about small increases here either. These are numbers that simply cannot be ignored because they could have major ramifications on your health. So how big of a gamble are you taking with your health when you cut carbs only to load up with fat in an effort to get thin? Well, Dr. Neil Barnard is here with us today to clue us in and take a closer look at the results from this study. But we're not just stopping at low-carb, high-fat diets. We're not stopping with the keto diet. We're also going to take a broader look at health when we open up the doctor's mailbag. The exam roomies who were able to join us live this week on the show, they sent in a lot of great questions. One from Doug wondering about refined grains versus meat. Which of the two has the bigger impact on your health? And then Norma wondering about vitamin D and whether that was essential for good heart health and another exam roomie curious about whether a vegan a vegan mediterranean diet could help clear the plaque from out of their arteries the plaque that's built up over time is the vegan mediterranean diet the key to cleaner arteries there we're going to find out plus a whole lot more beyond that but first this Today's episode of The Exam Room Live is powered by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. The Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit people. You can visit them online right now at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R, Fund.org. It is time now to raise our health IQs and we begin with high fat, low carb diets and the new study that everyone should be paying attention to. My friend, thank you so very much for being here. Hi, it's great to see you, Chuck. True story. Over the weekend, my brother-in-law comes in and, and he goes downstairs and he sees my father-in-law. He says, hey, dad, I brought you fat snacks. This is a legitimate box of fat snacks. And he says, these are healthy. These are really good for you. They'll help you lose some weight. Uh, these are keto-friendly cheese crackers, Dr. Barnard. And I think that anybody who spends any time in the grocery store now sees that the shelves are literally just exploding with all of these low-carb, high-fat, keto-friendly foods. We're talking about close to a $15 billion industry by the year 2031. This new study, though, says that, look, you know, whether it's this or anything else that uh, is low-carb, high-fat probably is something that you're going to want to avoid. What do you make of this study? 
Well, I think the study is really, really important because it builds on concerns that have been growing for years. You know, the whole idea of a low carb diet was you need to lose weight. So if we take out carbohydrates, it'll do two things. First of all, at least half of what people eat is carbohydrate, whether it's fruits or starchy vegetables or beans, grains, we take all that out, you're going to lose weight because you're just not eating food anymore. The second thing is, if there's no carbohydrate in your diet or very little, your body actually um, makes what are called ketones that sort of poison the, the body a little bit and they make you feel that they tend to reduce appetite. Uh, the ketone bodies do. So that said, all right, you're going to lose weight. Um, and the first issue, of course, is obvious is that people find that unsustainable for the most part. So they want to go back and have an apple or a banana again. Um, but the, the other concern was, wait a minute, if you're taking out all the fruits and starchy vegetables and things, you're taking out the healthiest foods, that's could risk your health. And you're replacing them with the worst foods, meat, cheese, other things high in cholesterol and saturated fat, and that could spell a heart attack, that could spell cancer. So the low carb people said, no, 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 don't worry, you're going to lose so much weight, it'll improve your health overall, it couldn't possibly lead to a heart attack. Well, a number of studies have suggested that it actually will. And this study, Chuck, uh, from the UK Biobank, they looked at 300, more than 300 people following these diets, compared them with about 1200 people who were not, and looked at differences over time. And your risk of having a heart attack, your risk of having a stroke, your risk of having peripheral artery, artery disease, you put all that together, the risk was doubled compared to what it was for the, the people not following this diet. So exactly what people had predicted, exactly what we, we thought this diet would likely cause is exactly what the data are showing. So it's, it's getting harder and harder to find any reason to put a diet like this anywhere other than the wastebasket. And that's really interesting because you, we we do know that these diets in the short term absolutely have been proven to help with weight loss. And where I got snagged up, and I think that the majority of people do as well, is you think you lose weight and suddenly everything else kind of falls into place. Well, lo and behold, studies like this are showing no, like you can't outrun that Big Mac. You can't outrun that egg, that cholesterol. All of that stuff is going to catch up with you no matter what your waist size is. What do you think are some of the things that we can do to really try to educate that when it comes to health, it's not just what your waistline is? Okay, well, we have to remember that when it comes to a ketogenic diet, a low-carb diet, there's, they, they sound faddish, and so people go for, for them thinking over the short run, this will help. Over the long run, often it does more harm than good because you regain the lost weight and you've learned some really bad habits. But the minor issues... Okay, you're going to get more constipated because there's not much fiber in your diet. People uh, on keto diets often have a funny smell that comes from this acetone-like smell coming from their body, from the ketone bodies. Those are the small things. The major things are your cholesterol is going up. Your risk of heart disease goes up. You're eating exactly the foods that are going to increase cancer risk. So this is not a diet for really people to follow. But I think what we're doing here is exactly the, what needs to happen. People can choose for themselves, but they need the information and that's really where the data are. The, da the data are strongly against following any kind of ketogenic diet. Let's dive into the numbers a little bit. Um, I was reading an article uh, from CNN that I was referencing, and and they really they picked some data out that really stood out to me. So you were talking about that breakdown of about 300 people following the low-carb, high-fat diet versus 1,200 people eating what they call the standard diet. Now, with the low-carb, high-fat diet, about 45% of their calories were coming from fat, 25% from carbs. But then they also said, well, look, a lot of people who are strictly following the keto diet, uh, they are getting 70 to upwards of 90% of their calories from fat. Would I be correct in assuming that the higher that percentage is, perhaps the higher your risk becomes for those adverse events like a heart attack? Very likely, because what are, what are the foods that you're left with when you take out all the fruit? You take out all the starchy vegetables and the grains and beans. You're left with a hunk of meat, basically, um, heavy cream, these sorts of things. And so these are high in saturated fat. That's the fat that raises your cholesterol level, which ends up harming the, the arteries. And it's also linked to Alzheimer's disease. So ex exactly, the higher in fat it goes, the bigger the problem. Now, interestingly, our good friend David Jenkins at the University of Toronto years ago said, all right, if a person is bound and determined to do this, is there a way you could eat fatty foods 
that are the healthier fats. So you're just basically eating avocados all day long and oils and that kind of thing, not meat, not dairy products. Um, you could do that kind of thing where the, 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 the fat in an avocado is certainly healthier than butter or, or meat fat. However, you're still missing out on what your body really needs. Uh, and, and apple is not just a good snack. The vitamins that are in the fruits and the vegetables are things your body really does need. So leaving them out of the diet has problems too. And let's talk about the different types of fat out there really quick. Can you give us a refresher, the difference between saturated and unsaturated fat? Sure. Uh, saturated fat is the one that's solid at room temperature. Um, if a person were to unfortunately cook up some bacon and that hot liquid grease then gets poured into a jar, it starts out liquid, but as it cools down to room temperature, that's solid. It's, that's a sign that it's saturated fat. And then the unsaturated fat, polyunsaturated fats, those are things like corn oil, um, safflower oil. They're liquid at room temperature. And then in between them is what we call a monounsaturated fat. That's olive oil and canola oil. And you can tell the difference there too. They're liquid on your counter, put them in the fridge, and they, they, they turn solid. So the ones that are solid all the time, that's, those are the really bad ones. That's the, the saturated fat. That's uh, animal fats, also coconut oil. The ones that are liquid all the time, those are, the, those are better, like corn oil. Um, they are healthier for your heart, but you still want to keep them limited because of the calories. And then in between the two are the monounsaturates, canola oil and olive oil. And how, let's look at the effects that they could have. I mean, when it comes to those unsaturated fats, again, let's let's go for the whole foods here. Let's go back to the avocados. Let's talk about the nuts and the seeds, not even talking about just oil here. How does how do those types of fats, the fats from those foods, compare to uh, what you were just talking about, the coconut oil, the lard, you know, things like that? When a person consumes them, how does the cardiovascular system, how does the body treat them differently? Ah, what a great question, Chuck. You know, everything is, is, is a bit of a mix. So if you're eating um, dairy fat, what are you getting? You're getting a whole lot of saturated fat. And along with it comes the dairy sugar. It doesn't have any fiber. So you're getting this whole cocktail that's not helpful. On the other hand, let's say you've decided, all right, I will, I'll not cook with butter. I'll cook with, with olive oil. Now, what you're getting is a lot better. It's much lower in saturated fat. It's higher in monounsaturated fats. And it also has what are called polyphenols in it, which have some health benefits of their own. So when, when you switch the type of fat, part, uh, part of it is that oils have, say, more or less saturated fat, depending on the type, but also what, all, what comes along for the ride. So the, the plant oils are better, but still, I'm going to make my caution. All the fats and oils have a lot of calories. So for a person who is trying to lose weight, you really want to keep them all to a minimum. So the saturated fats, worst, uh, plant oils, best, but still you want to keep it limited. We have a couple of people wondering whether those unsaturated fats can also then in excess clog up the arteries the same way that the saturated fats would. They're all mixtures a little bit. So let's say I take um, uh, beef fat. Beef fat, if I send it to a lab, they'll say about half of the fat in here is, um, is saturated fat. And uh, the rest is various kinds of unsaturated fats. Um, if, on the other hand, I take olive oil. Olive oil is not half saturated fat. It's maybe 14% saturated fat, so much, much better. And some of the others, like corn oil, even less. Um, so that's, that's a, a good thing to keep in mind. If I have corn oil, um, other uh, plant oils, they are much less likely to clog the arteries. But even so, keep in mind, they've got a lot of calories. The fat gets into your cells and can contribute to insulin resistance, uh, which is the step toward diabetes. So keeping these oils low is a good idea. And keep in mind, Mother Nature didn't put a faucet on the olive tree. Um, you know, to, to get olives, what you're doing is you're taking 10,000 of them. Um, you take the olives, you send them to the factory. To get the olive oil, you've got to throw away all the fiber, all the pulp, all the nutrients in the olive and just concentrate that oil. It's more like a medication than, uh, than it really is like a food. All right. So I, I can see, okay, well now you're talking a lot about oils, but what about nut butters? I mean, you know, people will go to their kitchen, they will open up the cupboard, they will grab a spoon and they will get that whole jar of peanut butter. They will get that whole jar of almond butter and they will have themselves a big old snack. You know, is that is definitely a higher fat food. Are they at the same risk there for 
artery clogging or a, a increased risk of diabetes there? Or is it a little bit different because if it's a natural nut butter and it's nothing but ground nuts, you're still getting a lot of fiber in there and some other nutrients to boot. Oh, great question. It's substantially safer to, to, to use a nut butter than it is an animal product. Uh, because if you look at the nuts, they do have fat in them. The fat is mostly unsaturated. That's why peanut oil, put it in your fridge, can stay there all day long. It's never going to turn solid. It just doesn't have much saturated fat in it. So when you eat it, um, the effect on your cholesterol is going to be effectively nil. Um, you, you still don't want to overdo it with that because it's going to be very uh, high calories, but much, much, much healthier for you in every other way. Take some willpower not to overdo it though, doesn't it? I mean, dag on. There's just something about that peanut butter, man. It's just, it's a magical creation. It really well, is. It's partly the peanut. It's partly some of those other things that they add into it. And, and there's one addition that I think people should look at the label for. It, peanut butter used to be made from peanuts. Still is for most of the brands. But in some cases, you'll see one of the top ingredients is palm oil. And they'll put in the palm oil to make it uh, kind of have the right mouthfeel. Well, palm oil, like coconut oil, is high in saturated fat. If that's on the label, leave it on the shelf. Wow. Okay. So when we're in the grocery store, definitely try to get that uh, gravitate toward the brands that are really nothing but just ground up peanuts or better yet. A lot of times if you go to the bulk section, they'll have a peanut grinder there for you or an almond grinder. You can make your, your, your butters there fresh. That's the healthiest option. Sure. And if they're adding a little bit of a sweetener to it, I don't think it's a terrible thing. Um, but this, this sort of fad within the, 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 the manufacturing industry in the past five to six years of adding palm oil to things to make them a little more buttery. That's really harmful because it makes your arteries more buttery too. All right. Now let's go back to this study here for a little bit. We do have a couple of people in the chat right now who are saying, well, now wait a minute. I have somebody close to me, somebody in my life who actually did go on the keto diet, lost a lot of weight and even saw some improvements when it comes to their diabetes. Um, have there been any long-term studies that can kind of show us uh, what the effect would be in terms of other conditions, not talking necessarily about cardiovascular here, but diabetes, for instance, and what the effects could be if you do that low carb, high fat diet long-term. Okay. A good news, bad news. The, the good news is that if a person really does restrict their diet so much, even leaving out good foods, um, like fruits and so forth, but if they're restricting their diet, they're going to lose weight and losing weight tends to be good for diabetes. Um, almost no matter how you do it. So if a person smokes cigarettes and instead of snacking and they're losing their weight for that reason, the weight loss has some benefit. However, these are really bad ways to lose weight. Um, smoking cigarettes obviously does cause weight loss, but it's a terrible way to do it. And a keto diet is also a bad way to do it because what happens for a person with diabetes? What's gonna kill a person with diabetes is not a high blood sugar or a low blood sugar it's cardiovascular damage. And so if you are no longer eating the antioxidants that are in vegetables and fruits that, that you need to protect your arteries, you're really trying to fight your diabetes with one arm tied behind your back. So weight loss is great for diabetes, really important, but that's certainly not all there is to it. You know, one more thing that I want to uh, touch on here with the study before we move on was another quote that the researcher gave to CNN. And they said, our study rationale came from the fact that we would see patients in our cardiovascular prevention clinic with this severe hypercholesterolemia following this diet. So again, you eating that whole food plant-based diet or even just a plant-based diet, you're probably not going to see that same type of issue as you would here with the low carb, high fat diet, correct? Absolutely. And, and we published uh, a number of years ago the, the, the amazing case story of Jody Garan, who was a, a man who was not really very overweight. He wanted to lose a little bit of weight, but everyone was going keto. So he tried the low carb diet himself. And he did lose some weight because you're not eating so much in the way of food. But one day he was walking down the road. And what happened? An elephant sat on his chest, goes into the emergency room and they're saying, okay, let's talk what a heart attack means. Um, he had bought into this whole idea that you can't get a heart attack on a low carb diet because you're not eating sugar, da, 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 nonsense. Um, so his case study was, was published in the medical literature. And of course, needless to say, what he did is he switched to a plant-based diet, which allows you to manage your weight, but also to take your health in a good direction. It's because you're getting all the foods that support all the other aspects of your health too. 
And and jokes aside, uh, just going back to what it was that the study found and all of the other research that's come out before this, um, with regard to the food that my brother-in-law uh, gave my father-in-law downstairs, uh, should these keto-friendly, high-fat, low-carb foods come with a warning label? We've been talking about some pretty significant risks here. You know, they really should um, because people they're marketed. People who buy them are well-meaning. Uh, the stores that get all kinds of, of products may not have the, the ability to evaluate them all. And I think it's it's important for people to know that weight loss by just any means is not really a good idea. You want to be putting the healthy fuel in your body that will get that weight off and make sure that you're healthy too. All right, gang, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag. Again, if you have a question for Dr. Barnard, now is the time to post that in the comment or in the chat. We're going to get to as many as we possibly can. And while you guys are filling up the doctor's mailbag, I also, Dr. Barnard, wanted to say, hey, we've got ourselves another urgent matter to talk about, and that is to come join us live out in Los Angeles on March 30th. Dr. Barnard, you and I, we're going to be up on stage that night with a lot of really incredible people, including a breast cancer surgeon to the stars and our friend, Dr. Christy Funk. She's going to be there talking about how to lower your risk of cancer. Also, cancer survivor and former host of Dancing with the Stars, Samantha Harris. She's going to be there with us that night. Tony Okamoto, plant-based on a budget. She's going to be with us telling us how to eat healthy without breaking the bank. Who doesn't love that? And Harley Quinn Smith, famed daughter of director Kevin Smith, a phenomenal musician and actress in her own right. She, too, will be there with us that night. And Dr. Barnard, I know that you would love for everybody who's watching us today to join us that night as well at the e-bell. Yeah, come on out. We are going to really have a blast. Um, everybody you talked about has uh, has so much to say. We're going to share it all with with everybody who's there. We're going to take your questions. We're going to have a lot of new material. So I hope everybody comes out. It's going to be wonderful to see people again. Yeah, and it's it's all in celebration of 12 million downloads of the podcast, close to 100 million views on YouTube. You guys have just been phenomenal, and your appetite is ravenous for this health information. So we're going to keep putting it out there and keep celebrating. And, and it's just our way of saying thank you so much for supporting the show. So let's get all together and raise our health IQs. We're going to have fun with that. And stay tuned, New York. We're headed your way as well. Uh, real quick, before we open up the doctor, oh, by the way, link to get your tickets is in the episode notes right now. So go ahead and give that a click or head over to pcrm.org slash events. Now, uh, real quick, Dr. Barnard, before we go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag. I want to say hi to Pixie Pebbles, who's watching today from Nebraska. And this is Pixie's one month vegan anniversary. One month on a plant-based diet. That's pretty good. You remember your first 30 days, Dr. B? Well, it's been a while, but I have to say <laughs> that the, the, uh, the thing that the thing I discovered, I have to say, and 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 maybe maybe our viewers have found the same thing, is you imagine it's going to be a big deal. You know, I'm going to go on a vegan diet. So that means I have to acquire a taste for folk music. I've got to wear tie-dyed clothes. How long will this transition take? And what you discover is by a month, you are there. I mean, it's not hard at all. For most people, it's quicker than that um, because you're not starving. There's plenty to eat. There's, 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 you're satisfied, you're happy, you're, and you're discovering there's a new world out there new recipes, new products at stores, new restaurants, new things to eat at the old restaurant, uh, all kinds of materials for you. And it's so exciting. So by your one month anniversary or whatever we're going to call it, <laughs> um, you are going to be totally set and you're going to be so glad that you've done this. Um, Suzanne is watching right now on Facebook and she says that uh, somebody in her life uh, has been following a very strict keto diet for the past two to three years um, and they recently had a stroke. Obviously, we don't have any specifics about this, but plausible based off of what the study we were talking about earlier today, is it plausible to think that that might be an area that that person's doctors may want to explore as far as what the possible contributing factors would have been? Well, first of all, I'm so sorry to hear this has happened. I hope the recovery is going smooth and will, and I hope the recovery will be complete. But stroke is exactly what the study was about. Um, if people look at the study, they were looking at stroke. They were looking at heart attacks. They were looking at peripheral artery disease. It, a stroke means the arteries to the brain have been compromised in one way or another. Um, and the risk on a ketogenic diet of strokes and these other cardiovascular risk, uh, cardiovascular issues, that risk is doubled. So it's 
these things are extremely common in America, in England, throughout the world. If you're going to take a diet that makes your risk twice as high as it would be otherwise, this is just, uh, just something we don't want to be doing. So on a plant-based diet, everything goes the opposite. Instead of having your risk be average, your risk dramatically diminishes, including for a person who has had cardiac problems in the past. Uh, can we get quick clarification on peripheral artery disease? Uh, what exactly is that? Is that just a fancy term for heart disease in general? Okay. Um, your heart is at the center. It's at your core and uh, your brain is where you're going to have a stroke and peripheral artery disease means in the periphery. So for example, this is very common with people with diabetes, for example, is that the blood vessels are getting attacked. And so if you look at your extreme periphery, your, your toes, your feet, your ankles, the, the, blood, the further away you get from the heart, the more the arteries are constricted and the, and the more the, the blood flow is lacking. And so that's why when a person gets an injury, it just doesn't heal anymore. Um, this leads to amputations of toes, feet, knees. Um, so that's what peripheral artery disease is all about. It's no joke. And uh, luckily, it's one of these things that we can control the risk to a very substantial degree. DLB sent this in and is wondering uh, whether a vegan Mediterranean diet can help get rid of that existing plaque that's built up in the arteries. Sure, but it doesn't. Yes. Now, Mediterranean means kind of a, a type of cuisine, the type of cuisine of Southern Italy and, and around. So it's lots of chickpeas and vegetables and things. Vegan means you're just not eating animal products. So if you want to put those two together, you can eat Mediterranean type cuisine with all the animal products gone. That's a good choice. I would go a step further. I, I would limit your love affair with olive oil. Uh, some people who are talking about Mediterranean diets think you need to add extra olive oil. That's a mistake because back in the 1950s, um, back when the Mediterranean diets were first really being um, studied uh, in a systematic way, the amount of olive oil people were using was ra rather trivial. It wasn't being um, slathered all over foods. The, the fat content of that diet was substantially lower than on a typical American diet. So uh, Mediterranean cuisine, great. All the pasta, all the vegetables, the chickpeas, that's all super. Keep the animal products out and keep the oils pretty low. And that's a healthy diet. Norma, is vitamin D good for the heart? Vitamin D is important in a lot of ways, not necessarily the heart. But what vitamin D does is it allows your body to absorb more calcium. Uh, from the foods that you eat. And it has lots of other pro uh, properties. Probably the most talked about is cancer prevention. Uh, different data, depending on which part of the body you're looking at, but it looks like overall vitamin D might reduce cancer. And we just got some new data in about a week or two ago, suggesting a similar reduction in risk for Alzheimer's disease. So vitamin D comes from the sun on your skin. If you're living in upstate New York and it's March, uh, you might want to be taking a supplement instead of just waiting for the sun. Yeah. <laughs> get that supplement. And in the snow shovel, didn't they just get blanketed again? Was that closer to the coast? Just a, a, a mega snowstorm. Nobody is out at the beach right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> for, for supplementing, most doctors would say about 2000 international units a day, which is a pretty typical recommendation nowadays. The reason I say that is it's actually higher than what used to be the recommended daily allowance. Uh, but you don't want to go super high, like five or 10,000 international units. That, that could be toxic. Interesting question here from James, who's wondering whether a plant-based diet could help with arrhythmia. Interesting question. And the, the short answer is we don't know, but, but there have been some interesting observations along the way. Arrhythmia means that your pulse, instead of being steady, beat, 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 it might flutter. Uh, and there are different kinds of arrhythmias. And if you have an arrhythmia, see your doctor. Your doctor needs to talk with you about, about the risks that you may, may have and about treatments that, that there are available. However, uh, on the food side of it, we have seen some interesting observations that among some people, they see, seem to feel that seeds or nuts seem to have an anti-arrhythmic effect. Why that is, we don't know. We think it has to do with the essential fatty acids that are in there having an effect on the conduction system in the heart. Stay tuned for more details on that. Doug is wondering whether refined grains are worse than eating meat. Is it possible to compare the two? It is, it is possible to compare the two. If you go to your favorite Italian restaurant, they're going to give you a refined grain. That's called spaghetti. Um, it's, you know, or 
angel hair pasta, you name it. What they did is they took wheat and they took the fiber out because they found that it cooked better that way. The fi fiber is kind of like a sponge. It holds water and it made the spaghetti kind of uh, mushy. So they thought, well, we're going to get better spaghetti if we take the fiber out. Um, obviously, you want to put the fiber back in with vegetables and beans you might eat with it. But if you're comparing that spaghetti, that refined grain, to the meat sauce that you're dumping on top at the, at the Italian restaurant, there is absolutely no comparison. The meat sauce brings cholesterol and saturated fat and probably some salmonella along with it. Um, it, it's, it has uh, no healthy complex carbohydrates, which your body needs for energy. And the spaghetti is filled with that. So uh, I'm going to say that refined grains like white pasta get a not guilty verdict, but you do want to bring the fiber back in. So whole grain spaghetti is good um, and bringing in the fiber in the form of the beans or the vegetables or the fruits uh, really will round out a healthy diet. Leave the meat off. Nyotsi is on one heck of a health journey and is wondering about bone density here. Um, certainly had some cardiovascular issues as well. Uh, they write, I'm 76 and a stroke survivor. I'm on medication for cholesterol and high blood pressure. Six months ago, though, it showed that I was losing bone density. A test showed that. What can I do to improve my bone density as a senior? Okay. Uh, first of all, thank you for, for thinking about that. For the cardiovascular issues that you mentioned, there's nothing like a completely healthy, low-fat, plant-based diet. So starting from there, what things can we do to tune up our, our bone health? Uh, number one, you know, you've already heard and you are well aware that your bones need calcium. You don't need dairy calcium. You're better off without the dairy products, but you do need some calcium. Green leafy vegetables have you covered. And you know this is true for broccoli, and this is also true for kale and collards and Brussels sprouts and the whole range. Bring the green vegetables into your diet in a big way. Beans also have a lot of calcium. Tofu, depending on how it's made, has a surprisingly large amount of calcium. So the calcium food's got to come in. Secondly, if the calcium is in your food, how is it going to get absorbed into your bloodstream so it can get to your bones? That's vitamin D. We were talking about that earlier. Sunlight gives you vitamin D. But if sun exposure is just not in the cards right now, a vitamin D supplement is going to be helpful. I mentioned 2,000 IUs a day, which is what a lot of doctors are recommending nowadays. But your doctor might have a different uh, prescription depending on what your bone situation is like. And finally, give your bones a reason to live. I'm talking about exercise. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean training for a marathon. But anything that strains your muscles a little bit also pulls on the bones that they are attached to um, and strengthens the, the bones a little bit too. So that's, that's a good uh, um, prescription for healthy bones. Talk to your doctor. Sometimes a person is a little bit on the low side of bone density, but it's not necessarily a problem. For others, if it's gone too far, it is a problem. So your doctor can guide you on that. I want to pivot and shift down a little bit from the heart and down to the kidneys and take a question from Cello at 1230, who says, my brother is going to have his first dialysis treatment today. They're wondering whether a plant-based diet could help someone regain kidney function. Well, first of all, I'm sorry he has to deal with this. Uh, dialysis is not fun, and the conditions that lead to it are not fun either. The, 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 the kidneys are the filters of the body. Their job is to see what's in your blood that needs to be taken out and, and to remove it. And the two big threats to them are high blood pressure. The, the kidneys are little filter units made of tiny blood vessels. And if there's too much pressure in the system, those little tiny vessels get damaged. And the second thing is diabetes. Between high blood pressure and diabetes, you can account for the majority of people in the dialysis ward. So the answer is if there's any kidney function left, then we want to be on as healthy a diet as we possibly can be. And if you also need medications to control blood pressure or your diabetes, take your doctor's advice. Because my goal is to really baby those kidneys as much as I can. Uh, if the kidneys are completely shot and there is zero function, um, then at that point, the diet may not be able to bring the kidneys back. Um, but for most people, they have a little bit of kidney function left. And we want to really protect that and see what we can do to bring the kidneys back to the extent that that's possible. All right, we'll grab a couple of more before we wrap things up today. We're kind of ping-ponging around. Uh, they want to take us, the roomies do want to take us back to the uh, study that we were talking about at the top of the show. We were talking about cholesterol and how uh, so many of these uh, people who participated in the study, the researchers saw elevated cholesterol with them. Well, 
Colleen is saying, well, wait a minute. This is at 1228. How could I raise my good cholesterol, the HDL? That's a concern. Uh, it says that they're 33. How, I mean, how big of a concern is it if your good cholesterol, quote unquote, numbers are a little bit on the low side? Uh, it's really not a concern. Um, and I, I know what I'm saying is surprising here. Uh, if you went back a generation, people noticed that if your bad cholesterol, L LDL cholesterol is high, that's going to increase your risk of heart attack. That was true then. That's true today. It looked like if HDL was high, high density lipoprotein or good cholesterol, it looked like that was protective. Um, maybe so. But uh, as time has gone on, researchers have tried to, to, to really put this to the test. And they devised certain medications that was ra would raise HDL, and they found that they did nothing. Didn't help at all. And so what researchers have come to now in the, just the past year or so is a conclusion that if your HDL is high or low, it really doesn't have much to do with your risk of heart disease overall, that a high HDL was just sort of a marker for certain genes that are protective in other ways. So if your HDL is low, I wouldn't worry about it. I would concentrate on your LDL and, and do what you can to make sure that that's not so high. That's going to mostly be uh, making sure your diet doesn't have any animal products in I want to say a quick hello to uh, Sidekickster. I want to say hi to Thinking Humanist, LTC, Sandy's DIY. Thanks for joining us here today. Uh, LAG is also wondering when the New York City live show will be. Um, to be announced, but I can tell you it won't be very long from now. So stay tuned. Hope to have the official announcement for you very, very soon. But I hear spring is a lovely time in New York. Okay, uh, let's take two more. Sandy's DIY Health 1224. Even though coconut oil is full of saturated fat, it's not always solid at room temperature, depending, of course, on room temperature. Is there no room for it, really? So is it as bad as lard is really a long-winded uh, way of, of getting to that question. Coconut oil versus lard, is it the same thing? Use it on your hair. Wax your car with it. <laughs> shine your shoes with it. Do not eat it. It will. It is poison. Throw it out. <laughs> All the the tropical smelling car wax that is coconut oil. Okay. It's, it's this enormous fad. Somebody's got a whole big uh, acreage of coconut trees. They're trying to make reasons for you to have it. And the reason that food manufacturers have used it is it's buttery. Um, and it gives you this kind of buttery mouthfeel. They add it to everything. But uh, like butter, it's bad for your health. I would don't have it at all. Don't use it in recipes. Don't give it to your family. All right. Final question comes to us from Wellness Yaya at twelve twenty one. When you talk about eating a whole food, plant based, low fat diet, do you mean less than ten percent total fat or ten percent saturated fat? Says that they've been vegan for uh, been vegan, plant based, no oil for five years, but they're still struggling with their weight. Uh, ten percent total fat, um, and that's ten percent of your calories. But for most people, you're not going to be able to really calculate that. Um, so the way to know that you're there is to eat all the fruit that you want to, all the grains and vegetables and beans that you want to, but don't add fats in cooking and be careful about the two kind of fatty foods, th things that are naturally fatty, and that's avocados, I'm sorry to say, and also the nuts and nut products. If you minimize those while you're trying to lose weight, you're going to get to your goal. Um, so, but just to answer your question directly, the idea of 10% of your diet as saturated fat that is high. You don't want to be anywhere near there. The body doesn't need saturated fat at all. So the closer you get that to zero, the better off you're going to be. And if, if fats are about 10% of your calories, which is where you're going to get to if you're not adding any to it, um, you're going to find that your weight loss is much, much easier. And I got an email from an exam roomie not too terribly long ago. They said, well, I, I hear you guys talk about avocados and nuts and whole foods that are higher in, in fat and calories. But they also say, well, you also talk about really eating a well-rounded diet with lots of different fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes on there. But is it possible to get the nutrients that you wouldn't get because you're not eating the nuts and the avocados by eating other things that have less fat in them? Yeah, you're, you're going to be fine with it. Um, keep in mind, a nut in a tree is in a shell. And so to eat a lot of nuts, you really you have to do a whole lot of work. And manufacturers decided, I want to make you have all the nuts you could ever have by taking the shells off. And they put it in a bag with some salt 
or they'll smokehouse roast them, you know, and they become addictive. Um, and so that's where we really run out of hand. Uh, things get out of hand. If you're having the occasional nut, um, kind of the way nature provided, you know, channel your inner squirrel here, um, you're not, you're not going to run into any big problems with that. I'm telling you, man, you ever like sat there with a bag of walnuts and the cracker and like, it just, it, it just takes forever to open these things. I swear you burn more just trying to get to the nut that's in the shell than the actual right. calories it contains, man. It could be a workout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if, if particularly if you're thin and healthy and, and you don't have big health, health issues, you're not trying to lose weight. Uh, some nuts are fine. They've got vitamin E in them. In them. They're, they're, they're a healthy thing. The reason that I emphasize low fat and, and limiting the nuts for all those people who haven't been able to lose the weight, but the calories are coming in in the fats impregnated in the nuts and in the, in the, their, their uh, avocado toast. Um, so th that's a problem for them, but, but the type of fat is a reasonably healthy fat. And for, if you, if you're not dealing with these health issues, having a little bit of this here and there is not a problem. All right, gang, we're going to go ahead and close up the doctor's mailbag for today. If we didn't get to your question, I promise you, we will save it and do our best to get you an answer on an upcoming episode. And don't forget the exam room live in Los Angeles on March 30th at the eBell. Again, here's this all stars of health lineup. Dr. Neil Barnard, of course, you're going to be there on stage with me, but so will Samantha Harris from Dancing with the Stars Cancer Survivor. She's going to be sharing her story along with Dr. Christy Funk, a breast cancer surgeon to the stars and our friend who knows so much about nutrition and the role that can play in helping to prevent cancer. Tony Okamoto from Plant Based on a Budget. She's going to be teaching you how to take everything Dr. Barnard was talking about on the show today, all of these nutrition principles, put them into practice on your plate, but not break the bank at the same time. Plant-based on a budget, plus Harley Quinn Smith, phenomenal actress and musician. She's going to be there as well. VIP tickets, get this, Dr. Barnard. Here's where I get real fired up. VIP tickets. They will get you a wonderful, healthy plant-based dinner ahead of time, exclusive meet and greet opportunities, photo ops, giveaways. I mean, just so much fun we're going to be having, plus priority seating once the show actually begins. I really want to go. Uh, I think everybody should be, well, of course, I really want to go. I'm going to be there, duh. Uh, but I mean, I really want you guys to come too. It's just going to be a, a total celebration and I can't wait to see you. And it's been a long time coming. And again, from the bottom of my heart, Dr. Barnard, thank you for making the time and your incredibly busy schedule to be there as well. Are you kidding? I would not miss this. I'm so much looking forward to it. You know, the, the pandemic has kept us indoors a little bit more than we wanted to. We're going to get out. We're going to have fun. Absolutely, we are. And join us. Your tickets right now, pcrm.org slash events, or again, right down below in the show description or in the episode notes. And before we go today, I also have to say a huge thank you to the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund for powering this episode of The Exam Room Live. You know, the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund supports organizations just like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's love for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse, while also emphasizing programs that promote systemic change and also benefit people. Really well-rounded, amazing organization. Learn all about them right now online. The Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. You can find them at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, spelled R-E-I-T-E-R, fund.org. Say it every time you're on the show, and I can't say it enough, Dr. Barnard. Everything that the Writer Fund does to support our work at the Physicians Committee, including the Exam Room podcast, is truly second to none. Just love these guys. You said it. I want to say a huge thank you to Allison Mahoney for all the wonderful work that you do um, to really carry on the spirit that, that Greg had of making the, the world kinder, more compassionate, and healthier in the bargain. And listen, Dr. Barnard, I want to thank you for being here today and helping to raise our health IQs and clear up a lot of this keto confusion. I wouldn't miss it. Thank you so much, Chuck. You know, right after we finished with the live show this week, I told Dr. Barnard, this one was fire. I felt like we were clicking on all cylinders and we had so many people ask so many questions. I mean, literally an overwhelming amount of questions came in this week to the doctor's mailbag. It was really amazing to see how many people were interested in this one. So thank you to everyone who was able to join us live and participate and make the show the fire that it was. So very, very, very cool. And if you ever get the opportunity 
Join us on a Wednesday. Set your alarm. Set a reminder. Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube or on Facebook. We would love for you to join our increasing number of exam roomies who hang out and raise their health IQs with us. And of course, the focus of the show this week was on the study regarding low-carb, high-fat diets, but there's also another new study that I wanted to tell you about today, this time focusing on food additives. The amount of food additives that you are consuming and probably don't even realize, it turns out that food manufacturers are adding more and more and more of this stuff. So this research is published in the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. It shows that 60% of foods purchased by Americans contain what are known as technical food additives. And those are things that include coloring and flavoring agents, preservatives and sweeteners. And if you think back to the last time that Dr. Barnard was here on the show, when he and I were talking about sweeteners, especially the zero calorie artificial sweeteners, those things, it turns out, oftentimes are bad news for your health. So this 60% number, this 60% from this particular study actually represents a 10% increase from the year 2001. It turns out that manufacturers have increased the average number of additives contained in the food and drinks that we're buying from about 3.7 back in 2001 to 4.5 in 2019. So we jumped from 3.7 per food or drink to 4.5 in 2019. Now, here's the other thing to keep in mind. We love packaged food. We love packaged drinks. It's just so easy to pick these things right up off of the shelf. They slide right into our increasingly busy lifestyles. Convenience is the name of the game. Here's the thing. We in the US, shoppers here, purchased more than 400,000 different types of packaged foods and drinks every year. That's what we do. 400,000 different kinds. And the ever-increasing amount of ultra-processed food also means that Americans are consuming more sugar, more salt, more saturated fat. And thus, our health overall as a society continues to decline. But that is why what we talk about here on The Exam Room is so important. Because we are educating ourselves. And that's what I mean when I talk about raising our health IQs. We can make informed decisions, intelligent decisions, decisions that can have the greatest benefit on our abilities to stay healthy. Think about it. Knowledge is power. Nobody's denying that. And if you're bulking up on it, you're bulking up on it big time, you can insulate yourself from the rising rates of chronic diseases. Heart disease, obesity, cancer, clogged arteries, all these things that can rob you of life. And you really want to talk about someone who has made the most of what they've learned? Let me share this five-star health success with you. This is such a powerful transformation. It comes to us from a listener by the name of Evil Coop, but I assure you that their words are very, very sweet. I have always struggled with my weight and had an addiction to all the bad foods. In May of 2022, I had my first blood labs done since the beginning of the COVID pandemic, and the results were not good. I am a 5 foot 5 inch male and weighed 274 pounds. I wasn't technically pre-diabetic, but only one point away from it. My liver enzymes were way out of whack, but my doctor took me off my statins and coached me on eating a whole food plant-based diet and had me start listening to this podcast. 
My first meal was a Thai pumpkin curry, and I have not looked back. I've lost 95 pounds, my blood sugar is average, my liver enzymes are back to normal, and so is my cholesterol. This podcast is my driving force. I try to use all of the tips and recommendations brought up here, and the show is everything to me. I owe everything to my doctor, to Chuck, to Dr. Neil Barnard, and Dr. Will Bolsowitz. I see nothing but a positive, healthy future on the horizon. I can't tell you how many times I've burst into tears of joy when Chuck ends the show with, and remember, as always, keep it plant-based. I just wanted to say thank you. Well, my friend, I really wish I knew what your real name is so that I could properly thank you and give you the recognition and the kudos that you so soundly deserve. I am so proud of you for everything that you have accomplished, and I am honored that the exam room has played even a little part in your transformation. Please, please, please thank your doctor for me. That is just absolutely extraordinary. And... Congratulations, my friend, for reclaiming your health and getting your life back. The future is indeed bright. So please enjoy the ride. And if you would like to send me a message to talk a little bit more, I would love to hear from you. Please, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Find me there. Shoot me a message at Chuck Carroll WLC all across the board there. And send me a message because I would love to hear more about your journey, my friend. So congratulations once again. You are an inspiration. And if you would like to have your story featured here on the show, just hop over to Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, leave a five-star rating and tell us how the podcast has helped you take your health back. Let's keep proving to all of the exam roomies that change is possible. You just heard a great example of that. You can be the proof. You can be the inspiration for millions. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for being here and helping to raise our health IQs. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And my transformed friend, this one is for you. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. We'll be right back.